everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Danny. And I'm Giacomo. And this is our 27th episode. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a little while. We've been keeping busy, and we missed you, so it's good to catch up, get another podcast going. Gaines Garden is in full effect. All of our vegetables and fruits are doing well for the most part. Thank you, Danny, for all your homework on that. Uh, Anyway, outside of that, I just finished my first meet ever in powerlifting. And all in all, I'd say it went incredibly well. I was super thankful to have you there, Danny, to support me and cheer me on. And our friend Kim, friends Kim and Jim came. You know, thanks everybody who helped me get there. Lane's been doing my nutrition programming. And I think I'm going to shift gears now that I'm about a year into the off-season and probably try to do it on my own since I'll be in a four-year off-season. But I also want to give a huge, huge shout-out to Reactive Training Systems and my uh, direct coach, Jim Eli. He's done a phenomenal job challenging me with my programming, being there with that personal touch and making sure that I did well. And I did. I went eight for nine on my attempts. And the only reason why I did not make my final attempt on deadlifts is because I did not listen to you, Jim. Sorry about that. He told me to go for 491 if I was feeling real good for my final attempt. But I'm like, you know what? It's so close to 500 pounds. Why don't I just try to pull 500 pounds? But yeah, that didn't happen. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. I am enjoying the sport of powerlifting, and I'm looking forward to doing some future meets. Next one up is probably going to be at the end of August. What about you, Danny? What you been keeping busy with? I've been keeping busy with mostly the same old, same old. Um, We just had Robert Cheek and his girlfriend, Karen Oxley, here visiting us last week, and that was a lot of fun. Um, We're super, super close with Robert, but we haven't seen him in a while. We haven't seen him since Plant Built last year. I mean, we used to have Christmases together and Thanksgivings together. Uh, He lived with us for a good portion of time. So it was really, really nice to just hang out not working and go do fun stuff. Like we got to be tourists in Boston, which I've never done in my entire life. So that was pretty fun. Uh, We went to a bar that was made entirely out of ice, which was really, really bizarre, but, you know, cool. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, then we went on a duck tour, which was neat. Anyway, the whole whole trip was just, it was just really, really nice to have them here. But uh, that said, now that they're gone, it's like playing catch up to try and get back on all my work and stuff like that. Outside of that, training has been good. Um, I've decided to do a mini cut in the middle of my off season right now. Basically, I mean, I've mentioned it before, this particular season, my reverse diet didn't go the way I'd hoped with a bunch of various stressors going on in my life. Um, Several people in my family passed away. I got sick a couple of times, uh, pretty sick actually, like sick in my stomach basically. So my eating was all screwed up for a while. So um, I ended up basically not gaining weight to the point where I'm uncomfortable with it or anything like that. It's just that I like to stay in closer striking distance to my stage weight because it will make prep so much easier if I'm starting a little bit closer than that. So I've been doing that for a couple weeks now. And um, basically, a mini cut is a pretty aggressive but short dieting phase where you're at the top end of your set point as far as you know fat mass goes and you're just trying to get back down so that you can continue eating more and growing because at this point if I continue to put on weight it's basically all going to be fat and I want to get back down a little bit closer to my stage weight where I'm a little bit leaner so that I can continue to build muscle and not just put on fat so that's where I'm at right now I wasn't really ready to be dieting but here we are. I feel you. I'm probably going to be doing the same thing myself eventually, but I'll, I'm on a four-year off-season personally, so it'll take a little longer to do that. I think the other thing that we should mention is that it's not necessarily a tool that everyone should use. It depends on where the person's at, and I think it's something that 
is more useful after you've been competing for a couple of years because in the beginning you really want to yeah i guess i should put some context with that and i'm not really a huge fan of putting you know numbers out there because i know that that can trigger certain people so um i am gonna say some numbers here but my stage weight is somewhere around 130 pounds. And right now I'm about 148 pounds. So my goal is to be around 140. Basically, I want to be around 10, 10, 15 pounds of my stage weight. So that is basically the goal. Nothing too, nothing too drastic. I'll keep you posted on how that goes. So we have a pretty fun little episode for you guys today. And actually, this episode was at the suggestion of a client. And at first, when she said it, I was like, I don't really know how I could stretch that into an episode. But then when I started sitting down and thinking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, this could be pretty cool. So what we're talking about today is gym hacks. So what is a gym hack, Giacomo? A gym hack is basically a way to manipulate a piece of equipment or a way that you use the equipment so that you can basically do something that the equipment wasn't originally designed to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're explaining it right. I mean, hacks are like all the, all the Pinterest rage right now, right? (laughs) Life hacks, blah, 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 technology hacks. Um, But gym hacks, you can't really find a whole lot about that online and just you know sometimes you want to do something at the gym that your gym doesn't necessarily have uh, or you want to do something without going out and buying a whole new piece of equipment Um, so these are some of our tips to make certain gym things a lot easier than maybe they normally are sure and I mean there are probably still a lot that we're not aware of like we even I noticed one today that I had never seen before which we'll probably talk about on this podcast. So feel free to share your ideas because, you know, you can get really creative and make just about any exercise work in the gym. All right. So all that being said, let's just dive right in. So you know when you are loading plates onto either the leg press machine or squat rack and the 45s get like stuck together and they're really hard to pry apart? One way to avoid that from happening is to put two and a half pound plates or five pound plates in between the 45s when you put them on so that you don't end up pinching your fingers trying to pull it apart. So it would be like 45, five, 45, five, 45, five. Also, that's easier math because you're just adding 50 pounds every time. This is particularly helpful if your gym has plates that don't have handles built into them. Like the 45 pound plates that have handles built into them, they're super easy to take on and off. But if you just have straight iron plates with no handles or grooves or anything like that it can be a pain in the ass so stack five pound plates in between them and don't pinch your fingers yeah those are especially annoying like if you wind up loading those metal plates on and you're there the opposing sides are facing like the hollow part of of the plate is facing on both sides it could be super easy when you're trying to take it off to pinch your skin and that you know, something as stupid as that could actually mess up your grip for the rest of the week. Next gym hack is using your backpack as a weighted vest. So we've all seen those individuals, whether they're taking a firefighter's test or for whatever reason, they're using a weighted vest. Well, you can also, instead of bringing a weighted vest to the gym, which might not be practical, you can bring a backpack instead, toss something like a 25-pound plate or a 45-pound plate into your backpack, wear it, and just like that, you have a weighted vest where you can use it to do things like pull-ups, dips, any bodyweight exercise that is too easy to do for you and you need to increase the resistance on. Yeah, that's really great. And a 45-pound plate fits pretty nicely into most backpacks and it'll hold it close to your body. You could also strap it to the front of your body to hit different muscles by having the weight on the opposite side as well. So this one, I actually have a little anecdote about. It's pretty sad. Um, So I always wore my engagement ring before Giacomo and I got married. I wore it all the time. And when I would do certain exercises, it would kind of pinch on my finger. So I would take it off. And uh, one day I took it off and I always set it down on my water bottle. And I must have just picked my water bottle up and walked away. And my ring got stolen. And I was pretty heartbroken about it. So now 
I now that I have a wedding ring and I no longer have that engagement ring, um, it's really important that I don't lose it. So a really good tip for not losing your wedding ring and because you don't want to, you know, some people tie it around their shoelace and that's really that's one option. You can tie it around your shoelace, but of course, you know, sometimes shoelaces come untied. So it's not really the best idea, although I have done it in the past. A much better idea is to get a carabiner like you would get if you were rock climbing. Um, you can get them pretty much anywhere. And if you put that on your keychain, then you can just put your wedding ring on the carabiner while you're working out because you're certainly not going to lose your keys because you're going to need them to leave. So as long as you have your keys, you will have your wedding ring. Yeah, this one was actually a sore spot for me too. We wound up getting tungsten steel wedding bands because they're supposed to be more durable, but apparently they can still break. They just don't bend. So I was actually grabbing a barbell to do bench press with my ring on, and my ring wound up breaking. Um, now I have a replacement, but... Moral of the story is I won't, you know, I shouldn't be wearing my ring while I'm training. And the carabiner idea has been very useful for this. The uh, other thing you can do is you can put, you can get one of those water bottles that have the carabiner built in. So that's another option too. Yeah, as long as you don't lose your water bottle. Exactly. (laughs) This is one that I really like actually. Front squats can be a real pain to get used to. I mean, most people are not used to having that much pressure on their hands in, you know, like a traditional Olympic style front squat where your wrist is leaning back. Most people are not used to clean gripping a barbell. And while you're learning to use a clean grip and you're putting added resistance while your hand is in that position, it can put a lot of strain on your uh, wrist. Anyhow, the other thing is some people just can't even get into that position and, you know, understandably so. So a good stepping stone is to use wrist straps and to tie the wrist strap around the bar. And then that takes off much of the pressure that would ordinarily be on your wrist while you're learning to stay in the proper position for a front squat. So using wrist straps or front squatting is actually a very useful gym hack. Okay, so this is a tip for when you are using a cable stack machine, like a pin-loaded cable machine, and you want to move up in weight, but you can't necessarily go up to the next plate. So I'll give you an example. Most cable stacks have like a small stack of plates on top, and then they get bigger on the bottom. So at our gym, they go in five-pound increments until they get to 30, And then they start jumping in 10 pound increments. What I like to do, especially when I'm in the the lower range of that, if I'm at 25, but I don't feel like I could do 30, then what I do is I go get one of the little two and a half pound plates and I either put it on the pin itself. So, you know, hang it like I'm hanging it on a hook on the pin. Or you can sometimes rest the two and a half pound plate on top of the cable, standing up sort of right next to the pulley. And that allows you to move up in weight without actually having to go to the next jump. Likewise, you can do that with a five pound plate. So when you're doing cable cable exercises, you can increase the weight more incrementally if you just utilize the two and a half to five pound plates because it's not gonna hurt the machine. It's not gonna break the pin. So it's pretty perfect, especially if your gym doesn't have the little five pound add-ons that a lot of gyms have. That's a good little trick to... Um, override that another good gym hack is something to consider for leg day so when you're doing squats a lot of people don't think about the clothes that they're wearing and the kind of shirt you wear can really make a big difference on how sturdy the bar stays on your back so moisture wicking shirts for example are kind of slippery and they do have grippy shirts that you can buy but honestly Plain old cotton tea will get the job done. And this is the day where it makes more sense to opt for a t-shirt over a tank top. A tee, you can actually really dig the bar in and it'll hold it a little better on your back. Another thing you can do for a slippy bar is using liquid chalk. A lot of gyms frown around dry chalk because it gets messy and it's a pain to clean. But liquid chalk dries pretty fast and it leaves no mess anywhere. So you could put a little bit of that on the bar, and if 
say your gym is really hot or you just don't like working out in t-shirts and you're a tank kind of person, you can put a little bit of the liquid chalk on your shoulders, on your back. On your hands. Your hands too. It, exactly. it doesn't make anywhere near the mess that regular chalk makes, but just as a courtesy, you should probably wipe the bar down when you're done. Yeah. You can also use it for deadlifts, for bench, to keep yourself from slipping around on the bench. Um, it's great. Even even simple things where you just have to hang on to the dumbbell, like dumbbell shrugs. Chalk can be a nice addition to your workout, but liquid chalk is definitely the better way to go for most gyms. So this one is actually really, really simple, and I don't think guys are going to have this problem, but I'll bring it up anyway. Um, so... Most guys' gym clothes have pockets, but most women's gym clothes do not have pockets. So a lot of times we're walking around with our phone, because usually that's either where our music is or where our workout is, and we have nowhere to put the phone. So where do most girls end up putting their phone? They tuck it into the front of their shirt. Like, don't lie. We've all done that. (laughs) Just tucked it right into the sports bra. But that is gross when you are sweaty and... Cell phones are not cheap and you don't want to break them. So what you can do before you go to the gym is just wrap your cell phone in saran wrap. Um, So you can just keep a little bit in your gym bag if you want to. But wrapping it in saran wrap is going to make it sweat proof. And you're still going to be able to use it because your finger will still register through the saran wrap. So it works much better than the armbands that people wear because you can't really type through those. So... That's my little tip to not destroy your phone. You know, I, I can't help but think about that lady that we saw in the gym last week who was running around with her phone t- tethered to her. That was so weird. <laughs> that was so weird. She ran across the room, unplugged her cell phone from the wall because apparently people just think they can charge their cell phones while they're training. And then she ran across the gym holding the cell phone by the charger, like by the plug. So like it as was, if it was a leash. It was literally, the, her phone was dragging behind her. It was really bizarre. There were backward somersaults off of a decline bench afterwards. You missed that, Giacomo. Oh, God. I'm not a starer. I'm not a starer, and I don't judge people at the gym, but sometimes... I don't know, man. Anyway, so moving on to the next gym hack. (sighs) Getting weight off of the bar after you've loaded several plates onto it, say to do deadlifts, can be annoying and an arduous task i hate it so much i ask giacomo to unrack my deadlift bar legitimately every time that i deadlift yeah seriously it's like (laughs) do you really want me to take your gains from you too i don't get it yeah you can for that i guess so but i mean just think about it i mean i guess you shouldn't be lazy because it's like you're going to the gym and you're training hard but it's like you just finished pulling all this weight off of the floor with the deadlifts and now you have to grab the bar, pick it up, and pull off the plates. And it's, you know, it can be a little taxing. Anyway, so a real quick fix to this is to get another plate, a small plate, like a 10-pounder or anything, and put it underneath the plate that's closest, that was first loaded onto the bar. And then roll the weight onto that plate, and then all of the other plates will slide right off. Because they're like an inch off the ground now. Yeah, exactly. So after and then after one side is fully unloaded, you can lift the bar up and then pull the bar out and then the rest of the plates are right there. Yeah, so after you unload the plates from one side, you just take that empty side and lift it up so that the bar is perpendicular to the floor and then you can just lift it out of the other plates and then you just have a bunch of plates on the floor, which is so much easier to deal with than plates on the bar. Yeah, they have those they, I mean, some gyms have those tools where you can lift the play, lift a barbell off of the floor. But yeah, not our gym. Another really useful tip for deadlifting, which I found out just recently by chance, was how to keep the barbell from moving all over the place, right in the middle of your set. So there's two different ways to do deadlifts. There's the touch and go method, where you're basically deadlifting. And using momentum on your side without stopping. Um, So in other words, you know, you you pull the weight off the floor. Up, down, up. Exactly. There's no break in between. And momentum's on your side. And that's useful. But it's also useful to train with full resets where you're pulling the weight up, 
putting the weight back down and then dropping it and standing back up and then getting set up all over again. It's a totally different skill because it takes the stretch reflex out. All of your momentum is gone. You have to pick it up from the ground from scratch every single rep. Now, the thing that was driving me crazy about this is that I was using, I've been using bumper plates because they're round as opposed to hexagonal plates and bumper plates or even round plates in general. It's nice because you can move the barbell where you want, but the, the bar, the you know, it just tends to slide all over the place. Especially if your gym has a slightly uneven floor. That's true, which ours does. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. But anyway, it was like literally driving me crazy for months. And I was like thinking to myself, well, the floor's a little smooth. And, you know, how can we stop the barbell from moving all over the place? So I wound up using the, the stretching or yoga mats, whatever you call them. I put the, the stretching mats underneath the plates on both sides. And lo and behold, in between every single rep, when I went to put the weight down, the, it would create a groove and the barbell would stay right there, which was great. It was like the best thing ever, actually. Yeah, another another thing you can do with yoga mats, especially, they're not quite yoga mats, but a lot of gyms have them. They're mats that are like, I don't know, half an inch of foam or so. But a yoga mat would work too, especially if it was a little bit squishier. You can use them for your barbell hip thrusts. And anybody who's done barbell hip thrusts, once you get up to a certain weight, it's a little bit painful the way it feels against your pelvis with every single rep. And sometimes you can even get bruised on your hip bones while you're doing them, which is kind of to be expected once you hit a certain weight, but it's uncomfortable. And why be uncomfortable if you don't have to be uncomfortable, which you don't for this exercise. So what you can do is you can take one of those yoga mats and literally wrap it around the barbell before you get under it. So it doesn't have to be perfect or anything. People are probably like, why don't you just use the squat pad? The squat pad is not going to cut it, not even a little bit. But a yoga mat, you could either fold it in half a couple times or just roll it up around the barbell. And it's going to give you a lot more padding than just a squat bar or nothing at all. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is a couple of machines that you can use different ways then they are designed to be used. And there's a million of these. Some of them are more common than other ones, but we're going to talk about some that maybe people don't know about. So hip thrusts are what we were just talking about. And the thing about hip thrusts, they're super, super effective, but they're kind of a pain in the ass to set up because like deadlifts, it's a lot of weight to load on each side. You got to find the right bench and it, it's time consuming. If, if nothing else, it's time consuming. So a different way to be able to do hip thrusts without having to go through all of that is to do them on the leg extension machine. And this may not work on all leg extension machines because they're all designed a little bit differently, but they're pin loaded. So it's super easy to just pick a weight. And what you do is instead of sitting up on the seat where you normally would, if you were going to do leg extensions, you shimmy yourself down. So your shoulder blades are on the edge of the seat and the roller pad that you normally kick forward and extend is right in your hip crease. And from there, you just hip thrust up. It's a slightly different range of motion. You can adjust the machine a little bit to fit your lever lengths, but that is a different way to do the hip thrust. Along with the leg extension is also the lying leg curl machine. And this one I like for doing kickbacks, like donkey kicks. And... <laughs> There's a video of me doing this on Instagram like probably two years ago or so. Maybe I'll post another one for people. But you face away from the machine, so the opposite direction you normally face on it, and you kneel on the floor. And you're going to want to play with the settings on the roller that you normally curl because that is what you are going to be kicking back with your foot like a donkey kick. So you kneel in front of that, place your foot on the pad, and kick back like you would if you had a butt blaster machine. And then you just switch sides. And the last one, this one is actually pretty hard to explain, but I think that the glute ham raise is one of the best hamstring exercises in the entire world. And it's usually done with just your body weight. So I think they're great, but unfortunately, not a lot of commercial gyms have a glute ham developer. 
it's getting better. More people are starting to carry them, but still a lot of places don't have them. So there's a couple of ways that you can do them. One of them is on the lat pull-down station. Now to do them on the lat pull-down station is actually a little bit scary at first. I'm not going to lie. Glute ham raises are a little bit scary anyway because you're basically falling forward. But this one's particularly a little bit frightening because you're falling forward and you're a foot and a half off the ground. So you kneel on the seat of the lat pull-down facing away from the machine. So you're going to hook the back of your ankles under where you normally put your knees. And what you're going to need... Most likely, most people are not strong enough to do this without support right out of the gate. So you're going to need some kind of a pole or a broom or a body bar, or you can even use the wide grip lat pull-down bar unattached to anything. And you're going to use that to stabilize yourself in front of you. So you reach your hands out in front of you, jam the pole into the ground so that it's giving you something to stabilize yourself, and then using just your hamstrings, you are going to gently come forward while keeping yourself in line from your knee all the way up to the top of your head as best you can, just using the pole in front of you for as much support as you need to get down to a a little bit past 45 degrees and then pull yourself back up. And this, that you're going to need to use the pole a little bit more there than on the way down. But this is very complicated to explain. So if you go to YouTube and type glute ham raise lat pull down, you'll get a much better idea of what it is I'm talking about. And I definitely think you should check it out because it is such a valuable exercise and so many people are not doing it. Now, if doing the glute ham raise on the lat pull down freaks you out too much, you can also do them by hooking your feet under a weighted barbell. (laughs) If you put the weighted barbell inside of the squat rack on the floor and then kneel outside of the squat rack facing away from it, you can hook your feet under the barbell itself and then just do the glute ham raise to the floor instead of, you know, a foot and a half from the floor with a pole in front of you. So you're definitely a lot more stable that way. So that may be a better starting point. Although there is sort of the pain of setting up the barbell, I think this exercise is worth it. All right, moving on to some other gym hacks. These are going to be some good ways to motivate and keep the intensity up while you're at the gym. And no matter how passionate you are about training, no matter how consistent you are with your training, I mean, you really, sometimes you just have to get that adrenaline going because it is not there. And if you don't, the lifts are, it's just not going to happen. You know, everyone knows that feeling where you want to dig deep and, you know, you're just, something's happening and it's just not coming. Anyway, here are some of our tips to, you know, to keep that going while you're in the middle of your session or, you know, starting off your session other than like a pre-workout right (laughs) it's a little too obvious to be a hack yeah okay go on anyhow uh i'm a big advocate of music while you're training i know you know not everyone is some people prefer no music and they can find it to be a little distracting and i get that you know but there there is some inherent value to distracting yourself from everything else that's going on in the gym and music can help with that there's actually studies that show that depending on the type of music you listen to and the tempo of that music it actually does increase the intensity of your workout if you're listening to an upbeat fast-paced song doesn't have to be like pop or anything but you know rap or metal or whatever as long as it's fast and intense uh, then it scientifically has been shown to improve the intensity of your workouts. So yeah. I think that's fascinating. Some people even look up the tempo of their music and they find different genres that'll work for them. They even have like fit radio stations and apps and whatnot. So you can you can really have some fun with that. Something I particularly enjoy though, tempo aside, is motivation compilations you know i'll I'll youtube motivation compilations and i'll have some some of that uplifting music with speeches going on at the same time and i find it to be of particular benefit before my like when i'm sitting down on the on the bench and i'm getting ready to train i'm like man i'm just out of it you know the caffeine ain't cutting it 
maybe I didn't sleep enough, whatever the reason. I throw on that motivational music. I start listening to it for five minutes, 10 minutes into my warm up, another 10 minutes into training, and then boom, I'm set. You know, I, I, I don't know if I could think of a time where it hasn't helped me. Yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about those, actually, and I've listened to them a lot. They're long, too. There's several on YouTube that are an hour long or over an hour long even, and they're great. They're just great to listen to while you're training. And they have good music in the background, too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, some stuff to think about if, uh, you know, you're the music type or, or whatnot. Uh, another thing that I, I found to be really helpful, and I think Christian put me on to this, actually, our, our uh, buddy Christian Garcia, peppermint oil can be very invigorating, you know? Like, you'll see, like, some powerlifters will use things like ammonia to hype them up, and that's very abrasive and very harsh, and it's not something that's good for most and definitely not something you want to do regularly. But having a bottle of peppermint oil can really help sometimes where you're trying to get into the set and, you know, just focused a little bit on pushing. There is science to back that up, too, by the way. Oh, yeah? Sorry. You going to put some links in the bottom of the podcast for it? Maybe I will. <laughs> but anyway, I, I tried it, and I found that it did help to provide a little bit of a, a mild stimulating effect without being overwhelming. Another good one that I swear by, having simple sugar or just some sort of food in your bag intra-workout. Uh, this is good for a variety of reasons. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, everyone tries to time like their perfect pre-workout and perfect post-workout meal, but guess what? <laughs> Life does not fit into a box. And sometimes it can, you know, you can have the best of intentions, have a, a meal like an hour or two before your workout. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, you know, something happens. It's five hours later, you're training and now you're hungry. What are you going to do? You know? Or another example, sometimes you don't even have a chance to eat. Or sometimes your workout takes a lot longer than you planned on it and the energy just is just not there. Having food as a backup, a piece of fruit, a piece of candy, a protein bar, anything. Just have a backup stash in your gym bag and you'll be much better prepared for any type of situation so you can tap into so that energy if you might need it. More girly things. Actually, I guess this doesn't have to be a girly thing. Guys can have long hair too. If you have long hair and it gets in the way when you're trying to bench press, this happens to me every day um, when I you know, get into my weird arch and slide myself back. If my hair gets caught under my traps and my rhomboids, well, then I'm slipping around on it and it just pulls and it's not, it's very uncomfortable. So what I always do before I bench is I pull my hair over my shoulder and I just tuck it into the strap of my tank top um, every single time. Of course, that only works if you have pretty long hair, but if you have pretty long hair, it's pretty much a pain in the ass when you, <laughs> when you're trying to bench. So tuck it into the strap of your shirt and it'll be out of the way for the entire lift. Yeah, my hair never got quite that long where it would be an issue but i mean it used to be a little past if your hair is long enough to come over your shoulder is long enough to get caught under your traps so so speaking of stuff to keep in your bag something that i think is a good idea to keep in your bag is weightlifting gloves and anybody who knows me knows that i don't like weightlifting gloves i don't use weightlifting gloves at all but there is an instance where i think they're a good thing to have and that's if you happen to rip some calluses open while you're training um, it happens the more you weight train, the more your calluses build up on your hands. And sometimes they rip open and they ooze and they bleed. And having obviously, you know, slap a Band-Aid on that bad boy. But putting weightlifting gloves on also is going to create a barrier between yourself and, you know, these really dirty, filthy dumbbells, barbells, handles, etc. So it protects you from getting those germs and it also protects other people from getting your germs. So weightlifting gloves, good thing to have. Another thing to add to that is if you don't want to or use or don't have a pair of weightlifting gloves, when, uh, when the calluses do rip or break, you could put a Band-Aid over that. And then over the Band-Aid, you can put some sports tape. Yeah, that would work too. Yeah, that's what I like to do when uh, my calluses rip. And um, the the one that isn't latex-free that's made of 
rubber or whatever, it kind of gets a little messy. So I would recommend going for the latex-free sports tape. Or you can just put weightlifting gloves in your bag. <laughs> um, on the topic of germs, this is something that I found to be pretty practical. If you're the type of person who takes a towel with them while they work out, you know, to lay it on a bench or put it on a machine or maybe just like towel off a little bit in between sets. The You want to make it so the part of the towel that is touching the bench is always the same. Otherwise, what is the point of using this towel? So what you can do is pay attention to where the tag is on the towel. If the tag is facing the bench, if the tag side is on the bench, always put the tag side on the bench so that, you know, the cleaner side is always the side that's touching you and the bench side would be the gross side so you're not like you know wiping your face with other people's butt sweat you just reminded me of two other ones and i don't even know if i see it here on our handy list of gym hacks that we're making sure we get in um using a yoga mat on a bench to make it more grippy when you're doing a bench press going back to the gyms frowning upon you using chalk of any kind, and especially like the, the dry chalk, even though it doesn't get all over the place, unlike cleaning it off of a barbell, it's a lot harder to clean dry chalk off of a bench. But you can go ahead and use one of those foam mats or yoga mats or whatever and put that. Actually, the foam mats don't really work too well. They're kind of slippery, but the yoga mats are good. Put a yoga mat on the bench, and now all of a sudden the bench bench is extra grippy. The other thing you can do is take some exercise bands and wrap them around the bench itself. Wrap it around the bench the short way, right around where your shoulder blades are going to be pressing in to the bench, and that's also going to keep you from slipping when you lie down on it. I just take my um, my iron woody band, my you know band that I would use for assisted pull-ups I use the smaller purple one and I just tie it in a knot right around with the knot on the bottom side of the bench and that's what keeps me from slipping around you know I haven't tried it yet I've seen you using it over and over again I'm, I'm gonna try it tomorrow I mean how has it been working so far well yeah well especially as it gets hotter and I get sweatier and I just want to slip off the bench as I'm you know I'm trying to dig my traps my upper back into the bench as much as possible. Once you're a little bit sweaty, you can just push yourself back. Yeah, that's another one that's been driving me crazy that I haven't found the solution for. So thank you for that one, Danny. So this is actually a really cool gym hack that I will probably never have to use, but <laughs> it's worth knowing. If you're the type of person who does marathons or half marathons and you you know, maybe it's shitty outside and you have to do your long run on a treadmill. Most gyms have their cardio equipment programmed to shut down after 60 minutes just because they don't want people on their cardio machines for more than 60 minutes. But if you're doing a long run that's several hours and it shuts off partway through, like that's a real buzzkill. Especially if you're on incline or something, it's got to go all the way down and then all the way back yeah. up. <laughs> so what you can do is you can actually find out the name and model of the cardio equipment that you're going to be using. And you can just look up the manuals online and find the override codes. So if you can look it up online, you can find the override codes and override whatever presets are on the cardio equipment at your gym. So that's like a real gym hack. Hack. Are we recommending to like literally hack the technology at the gym? Hell yeah, I am. I mean, I can't. I mean, yeah. And then that'll be your special gym equipment. It'll be your little secret. Oh, man. Whatever. That's brilliant. If you need a machine for a long time, that's just fucking smart is what that is. So I'm not sorry. Well, I'm sure that we haven't covered all the gym hacks and the both of us are just staring at each other right now saying, all right, what do we forget? Because it's like. I feel like there's just... Oh, there's so many. And if you guys have some, tell us what they are. I'm so interested to hear them. Um, I love this sort of stuff. So yeah, feel free to shoot us a message and tell us what your gym hacks are. And I'll be psyched. Moving on to this week's product review segment... This week, we're actually going to be reviewing a blog. And the name of the blog is mindfulbites.com. That's mindfulbites, B-I-T-E-Z.com. 
And this is a site that is run by two vegan athletes that we know in Canada. And it is basically a recipe blog um, that does video recipes. So you know how on Facebook these videos have been going viral for like months now where it's a recipe, but it's actually a video that's like two minutes long and they show you how to make something that's really, really delicious. Well, that's what this site is, but it is all vegan. And they're making some really, really cool things, actually. They have, I'll give you some examples. It's relatively new, so I recommend keeping your eye on it because more and more recipes are gonna go up all the time. So some of the things that look really, really good, they have a vegan gyro with homemade seitan and tzatziki sauce. That is a really, really good recipe. The seitan recipe is awesome in there. They have a vegan cinnamon crunch French toast, which is French toast that's like crusted in, you know, like a vegan version of cinnamon toast crunch. Lemon poppy seed donuts, which are like oven baked donuts. And also birthday cake protein cookies. So I'm a huge Lenny and Larry's fan. I love the Lenny and Larry's cookies. I pretty much love all the flavors. And the birthday cake flavor was one that I wanted to try for a really, really long time. And I got to try it back in February. And this is very similar to that concept actually, but it's got more protein and less fat in it. And we just made them. So we're going to dig into them in a few minutes and let you know how they turned out. How about now? And I'm not I'm not going to get the name of this recipe right at all, but I saw a preview of one of their upcoming recipes and it is a, a s'mores waffle, which just sounds absolutely awesome. So there's a nice mix of like really tasty treats in here, but also, you know, pretty healthy protein minded foods. And I guess I, I just can't say enough about how professional these videos are. Like they're just aesthetically pleasing to watch. And I really, really like that. And I think that a lot of people are gonna be sharing these videos and it's gonna get some pretty cool vegan recipes out far and wide. So definitely check it out, mindfulbites.com. Let's give them a shot. Let's give the cookies a shot. Oh, hell yeah, that looks delicious. About to bite into it right now. Mm. All right, so I would never actually chew into the microphone because I have horrible misophonia and I would never do that to anybody. <laughs> but we just tried the birthday cake protein cookies. Still hot. It says to let them cool for five minutes. We let them cool for like exactly five minutes. <laughs> and they are really, really good. So compared to the Lenny and Larry's cookies, they're a little bit cakier than those cookies, which I actually like. And we used a different protein powder than they suggested. We used vanilla plant fusion because that's what we have. And they used lean fit, complete green protein, which I've never seen. Maybe it's a Canadian thing, but um, yeah, I would definitely try these again. Maybe experiment with different protein powders, see which one comes out the best. But overall, like it's a great, great recipe and I didn't deviate from it at all, which I always deviate from recipes. <laughs> But I followed this one to the letter, except I used bee-free honey instead of molasses, because that's what I had. Figured they were the same consistency, so that would work. And yeah, they're really tasty. What do you think, Giacomo? Yeah, I was, I'm pretty shocked at the size of the cookie, but I think it's because <laughs> it's so cakey. That Because I mean, like, if you look at the, the macronutrients on the calories, it's just about the same as a Lenny and Larry's cookie, more or less, right? No, it's got more protein and less fat. And a few fewer carbs as well. But, then they're just but it's huge. Steps, like in right? volume, I would say it's like one and a half times the size. Yeah. Exactly. So you get like a lot more caloric bang for your buck. And I like the cakiness of them too, actually. Yeah. So anyway, check them out. Mindfulbites.com. Moving on to our question and answer segment of the podcast, our first question comes via email. I'm trying so hard to get into the gym five days a week, but my recovery is awful. Well, awful for a vegan. I use the Vega Recovery Accelerator right now. 
I'm dealing with some kind of fatigue issues already that I'm trying to figure out too. All right. Well, thanks for sending in the question, Catherine. And as promised, we are going to answer it. So this is kind of one of those questions where it would help to know a little more of the specifics. But some things that you want to think about. Well, one I would say is, has your training changed since you change the your you know your diet um if it hasn't i mean if it has then obviously you could be overreaching a little bit and the you know basically when you're adding when you're increasing the intensity at the gym you're adding stress to your body because that's how your body adapts but when the stress is coming in faster than your body can recover from it the fatigue builds and then before you know it you're just fatigued all the time and no amount of optimizing your recovery will work say that your training is the same though and that's not the case then there are other things to look at well now that you've changed the type of foods that you're eating are you still getting in the same type of nutrition from there meaning are you still eating the same amount of calories are you still getting in you know your vitamins and your minerals from your food so i guess the the thing would that would be another important part of the equation to look at are you still getting you know, the same amount of food, I should say, at the very least. Um, some other things to think about. Well, I mean, there are some ways to help with recovery, and one would be to to work on bringing your inflammation down faster. Some things that you can use that are helpful for that would be glucosamine, I found to be very helpful. Adding some EPA-rich oil, to your diet, um, we carry a brand from Jeff Palmer called Ahi Flower Oil that is EPA rich, and also Diva Nutrition makes an EP, EPA rich oil. It's a, from microalgae on that one, and I found that 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 can help to with recovery time to help you recover faster. What else? Turmeric. Cooking with turmeric is a great way to add it into your diet, or getting some turmeric capsules that can also help with recovery um i would say icing down but you don't want to ice after your workout you want to give your body a little chance i mean because inflammation essentially will be how your body grows and generates new muscle tissue but you don't want to be inflamed for like you know days after your workout aka have a slower recovery time so like maybe at night would be a good time to ice down the areas that are just a little too sore. Uh, stretching would be helpful. Uh, foam rolling is even more helpful than stretching. So, I mean, there are lots of ways to increase your recovery time. And it's basically making sure that you get the inflammation down and that you get more blood flowing to the areas so that they can recover quicker. Next question is from Diana Brown on Facebook. Maybe you guys can answer this on the next podcast. Can anything be done to prevent strength loss during a cut? My ego hurts going down in weight for squats. Ouch. There are a few things you can do to help prevent strength loss during a cut. Nothing is going to guarantee that you're going to maintain all your strength during a cut because um, you are, you know, giving your body less fuel than it needs to do what it normally does. That's, you know, kind of the definition of a cut. But there are some things that you can do to maintain your strength so that when you do start adding food again, you're still as strong. Like you haven't lost strength overall. You are probably going to lose stamina. You're probably going to lose some endurance in your workouts just because you get gassed earlier. You know, you get wiped out faster than you did before. But a few things that you can do first is, of course, to look at your nutrition. Um, and I would suggest keep making sure that you keep your protein up while you are dieting down. Um, not only is protein more satiating, but it also is going to help prevent muscle wasting when you are working out strenuously in a caloric deficit. The next thing that you probably wanna do is take a look at that caloric deficit. Make sure that it is the smallest caloric deficit that you can make progress on. And what I mean by that is if you are able to lose a pound a week in a 500 calorie deficit, there's no need to be in a thousand calorie deficit. 
Does that make sense? So you definitely want to keep the caloric deficit on the smaller side while still making progress. You may, you're probably going to need to eventually dip your calories a little bit lower, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the deficit is bigger because your caloric maintenance level is getting lower as you get smaller. The next thing you want to do is actually look at your training itself. I'm going to use a nice round number here. Let's say that you can normally squat 200 pounds for 10 reps. Okay, so that is 2,000 pounds of volume in a set. Volume is sets times reps times weight. So let's say that you normally do three sets of 10 reps at 200 pounds. That is 6,000 pounds of volume. Now, as you keep going through your cut, you may find you can't do 200 pounds for 10 anymore. You can only do 200 pounds for eight. What you can do instead of doing 200 pounds for three sets of 10 is you can do 200 pounds for five sets of six or six sets of five. And what that's going to do is make it so that your volume stays the same, even if you can't do it in the same scheme. And that's going to prevent muscle loss. And it's also going to make it so when you do start adding food, you are going to be able to lift heavy again as soon as you have the fuel to do it. You're not going to actually lose strength. What you don't really want to do is drop the amount of weight on the bar. Because one of the things that helps you maintain your strength and not just your muscle mass is keeping the intensity of your workout up. And by intensity, I mean the actual pounds on the bar. So even though I'm telling you to equate for volume, that doesn't mean drop the weight to 100 pounds and do twice as many reps because that will result in strength loss. So keep the weight on the bar right up where it is and just break your sets and reps down to make it so your overall volume is the same. And you don't have to just do this with squats. You can do it with all kinds of exercise where you feel like you're not able to do as many reps with the same weight anymore. Just do more sets of fewer reps and you should be able to keep up as much strength as possible even while you're cutting. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. Feel free to stay in touch with us. We're doing Snapchat now, right? Like literally right now. <laughs> it's uh, Muscles by Brussels. It's not plural. You can reach us there. You can also find Danny on Snapchat at Vegan Proteins and anywhere else on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever at Vegan Proteins. Anyway, my name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>